Hello, and welcome to Misinformation, a trivia podcast for ladies and gents who love cool trivia and sticking it to annoying teams at pod, pub, pub, <laughs> pub quiz. Pub quiz. We're your hosts. I'm Lauren. And I'm Julia. <laughs> it's like my brain shorted out. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> well, my, the little, like hamster that runs on the wheel in my brain fell out and i'm sorry i apologize so i'm just so hungry oh yeah <laughs> last week we talked about a lot about desserts oh my um, god and right at the top we have some listener submitted trivia please yeah From listener josh g lets us know that maine is the only state with an official state treat yes which is the whoopie pie mm-hmm. <laughs> uh and it's like all over the place like different states may or may not have state certain foods or whatever and so we were like oh i wonder what new york says and i was like i don't know it's probably like apple pie or something like that new york state does not have a state dessert or a state pie or a state treat we do however have a state snack which Mm -hmm. is yogurt (laughs) (laughs) which tickles me to no end that the new york state snack sponsored by chobani is yogurt not a pizza slice no not a chicken wing. Yeah. Not not a banana pepper. Like the banana, stuffed banana peppers is very buffalo. You put stuffed banana pepper, delicious. I'll, I'll take your word for it. But yogurt. Yogurt. Our other, our other super state sponsored food is the state muffin. Yeah. A muffin. Apple muffin. Yeah. Fuck off with that. An apple muffin? That's not even that's a real not ass. not anything. That's not a real ass muffin. I'm mad now mad ah. well well we're back everyone it's uh you know everything in moderation so we're back Absolutely. for the second part of desserts so a second helping if you will second helping exactly boom oh my gosh uh so this is just desserts part two cookies meringues and frozen treats on your mark gets it bake first up cookies and biscuits delicious so Obviously, it's a baked food that's typically small, flat, and sweet, usually containing flour, sugar, and some type of oil or fat. In most English-speaking countries, except the U.S. and Canada, crisp cookies are called biscuits. Mm. Chewier biscuits are sometimes called cookies, even in the U.K. We just call them cookies here for everything. Just universally cookies. But if someone's talking about a biscuit and they're not in America, it's a cookie, everyone. Eat it. Take it. it. So some types of cookies. Butter cookie. They are unleavened cookies consisting of butter, flour, and sugar, often categorized as a crisp cookie due to their texture caused in part because of the quantity of butter and sugar. Mm -hmm. Um, For these, it's generally necessary to chill the dough to enable proper manipulation and handling and make sure that they, you know. Yeah, stay together. Great. A sugar cookie, super common. Main ingredients are sugar, flour, butter, eggs, vanilla, and baking powder or baking soda, depending on the type of sugar that you use. So it's like another, like, just you make the dough and you can either roll it out and put it into shapes or you can just, like, slice it off a log. Perfect. Every day. Shortbread is a traditional Scottish biscuit, usually made from one part white sugar, two parts butter, and three parts flour. Shortbread is baked at a low temperature to avoid browning, and when cooked, it is nearly white or just a pale light golden brown, and it might also be covered with more sugar while cooling, and it is um, is usually crumbly before it cools, but then it becomes firmer after it cools up. They are heaven. So heaven. Good. Oh. 
Mm. If you want to upgrade your shortbread, you get yourself a millionaire's shortbread. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. That's a biscuit confectionery item that has a crunchy and rich rectangular shortbread biscuit base topped with a chewy and soft caramel filling and a shiny milk chocolate topping. They're very popular in Australia. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to our Australian listeners who we haven't offended yet by t- trying to do bad accents. Well, there's only a matter of time, honestly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, another super common, gingerbread. Um, so in Germany, gingerbread is made in two forms. There's a soft form called Lebkuchen and a harder form that's particularly associated with carnivals and street markets like Christmas markets that occur in German towns. The hard gingerbread is made in decorative shapes, which are then further decorated with sweets and icing. And that's kind of what we like in America, we kind of associate as gingerbread. Like yeah. you make your gingerbread cookies, you make your gingerbread house. Mm-hmm. Great. A digestive biscuit. Ugh. Doesn't it sound so tasty to us and our American ears? But a digestive biscuit is a semi-sweet biscuit that originated in Scotland and is popular worldwide. The digestive was first developed in 1839 by two Scottish doctors in order to aid digestion. Mm. The term digestive is derived from the belief that they had in acid properties due to the use of sodium bicarbonate. Yeah. Sodium bicarb baking soda. We can buy those, uh, the McVitie's <clears throat> at mm-hmm. Wegmans. Yeah. And they have the, um, they have chocolate covered, they have milk, and they have dark, and they also have milk chocolate caramel mm-hmm. ones and those mm. josh likes the banoffee ones that you oh, can only yeah. get in canada yeah we got England. josh some banoffee ones yeah. when we were up there last time uh McVitie's digestive is the best selling biscuit in the uk so typically it is like a little different than like a sugar cookie or something like that because the it contains brown wheat flour that gives it its distinctive texture and flavor and it also has like malt extract and wholemeal and raising agents in it so yeah a bourbon biscuit This is a sandwich-style biscuit consisting of two thin, rectangular, dark, chocolate-flavored biscuits with a chocolate buttercream filling. Doesn't that sound good? The bourbon name, dating from the 1930s, comes from the European Royal House of Bourbon. So nothing to do with the spirit in America, but hell yeah, we need a bourbon biscuit. Yeah, it actually reminds me a little bit of an E.L. Fudge. Yeah, you know, you don't. You know what? That's not on my list. No, we can talk about them. Yeah, we can talk about the Keebler Elves making that delicious. A custard cream okay. is a type of biscuit popular in the UK and Ireland, and its structure is that of a sandwich with a creamy custard-flavored center between two flat biscuit layers. Traditionally, the filling is like a buttercream. Oh, okay. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. You want that with your tea. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And a chocolate biscuit is a biscuit covered in chocolate, or which has been made by replacing some of the flour with cocoa powder. So like I mentioned with the Jaffa Cakes, like you had to pay the VAT on uh, chocolate biscuits, but not chocolate cakes, or not cakes, which yeah. is why McVitie's got Jaffa Cakes classified as cake. You have the Anzac Biscuit. Have you heard of this? Okay. So it's a sweet biscuit popular in Australia and New Zealand, made by using rolled oats, flour, sugar, and butter, golden syrup, baking soda, boiling water, and sometimes desiccated coconut. Anzac biscuits have long been associated with the Australian and New Zealand Army Corps, Anzac, established in World War I, and they're still traditionally eaten today. Another hard biscuit, uh, biscotti, also known as cantucci. I've never heard that. It says that. Um, It's an Italian almond biscuit that originated in the city of Preto. They are twice baked, oblong shaped, dry, crunchy, and maybe dipped in a drink. And I absolutely recommend dipping them in a drink because if you try to eat it It on its own, you're going to crack a tooth. Another terrible Italian cookie, the Pizzell. Oh, I hate those. (laughs) So those are traditional Italian waffle cookies made with flour, eggs, sugar, butter, and vegetable oil, and flavoring. Usually anise or anisette. 
Sometimes vanilla mm. or lemon zest. Uh, pizzelle can be hard and crisp or soft and chewy depending on the ingredients and method of preparation. The cookie dough slash batter is put onto a pizzella iron which resembles a small waffle iron. And traditionally the pizzella iron is held by hand over a hot burner on the stovetop. The iron stamps a snowflake pattern onto both sides of the thin golden brown cookie which has a crisp texture once it's cooled. The I gross. think I've just had too many like anise flavored oh. pizzelles. If you like anisette, great. It's... It's something that then you would love them. Yeah. But anisette to me tastes like like Licorice, bark, like eating nonsense. the bark off of a tree. Mm-hmm. That's gross. great. But picking back up, okay. a delicious Italian treat, lady fingers, mm-hmm. sometimes known by their Italian name Savoyardi or sponge fingers in British English. They're low density, dry, egg based, sweet sponge biscuits, roughly shaped like a large finger. They're typically soaked in sugar syrup or liqueur. So they're the basis of tiramisu, that means pick me up or cheer me up, a coffee flavored Italian dessert. It's made of lady fingers dipped in coffee, layered with a mi- whipped mixture of eggs, sugar, and mascarpone cheese, flavored with cocoa. Most accounts of the origin of tiramisu date to its invention in the 1960s in the region of Veneto, Italy, at the restaurant Le Becherie in Treviso. So it's not like this old, no. timey dessert. It's only the 60s. it's as old as your mom, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, also with Ladyfingers, a Charlotte Russe. This is a cold dessert of Bavarian cream set in a mold lined with Ladyfingers. So a Charlotte was typically an icebox cake with a custard filling. Um, it was said to have been invented by the French chef Marie-Antoine Carême, who named it in honor of his Russian employer, Tsar Alexander I. Great. Russe meaning Russian. Uh, a Barquillo or Barquillo. Help me with the Spanish. B-A-R-Q-U-I-L-L-O. Barquillo. Yeah. Barquillo is a crispy rolled wafer pastry originating from Spain. It's made from basic cookie ingredients um, like flour, sugar, egg whites, and butter, rolled out thinly, and then shaped into a hollow cylinder or a cone. Okay. A yeah. Barquillo. Also delicious, an alfajor. This is a traditional South American Spanish Filipino confection. The most traditional Spanish ones are a cylinder shape of flour, honey, almonds, and several spices like cinnamon. But the South American ones are two round cookies with different sweet fillings, usually dulce de leche in between them. And then it's usually coated in powdered sugar or sugar glaze. Oh my God, that sounds delicious. So good. One of my favorite cookies, the black and white cookie. It's a round cookie iced and frosted on one half with vanilla and the other with chocolate. And in German, they are called Americaner. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. <laughs> um, this shows up on Bake Off sometimes, a long de shot. Uh, this is a cat tongue. It is named because it is shaped like a cat's tongue. Made from egg whites, flour, sugar, and vanilla or chocolate. Typically prepared with ganache, cream, or jam filling, and then sandwiched together. So it's kind of like a long sandwich cookie. I The thing that I don't understand about the long de shot is that a cat's tongue is not any differently shaped. It's differently textured. But not differently shaped than any other tongue, you would say, you know? You know what? I never thought about that before. You know, you could say, like, mm-hmm. it's a horse's tongue. You know, it's the same shape. <laughs> it's different sizes, you know? Maybe it's, maybe the cookies are supposed to be small, and we've just, like... <laughs> we've just made them huge. <laughs> <laughs> also, French, a twill, T-U-I-L-E, that's a thin, crisp, curved baked wafer cookie um traditional twill batter consists of flour white sugar melted butter and almonds and it's from the french word for tile named after the shape of the roof tiles it resembles and it's often added like as a garnish to another dessert you might not just like eat a bunch of twills on your own i mean you could but yeah i mean no one's gonna stop you yeah a florentine lace cookie 
We've seen oh, these yeah. before. Mm-hmm. So the batter consists of cane sugar, light corn syrup, or honey or maple syrup, heavy cream, and butter, all heated until it forms a bubbly caramel. Then it's poured into the dry ingredients. So usually like sliced or chopped almonds or maybe some other like fruits or dried nuts. Um, they're then cooked in the oven until they spread out and become very thin and lacy. And then they're typically coated with chocolate on one side. Mm-hmm. So we've seen this as a technical bake on Bake Off before. Uh, my friend Jessica Gasbare had that at her uh, bridal shower Ooh. and I ate mm, so many of those. So many. They were wonderful. Oh. So good. Um, you know about the fortune cookie, right? Yeah, so it's a crisp and sugary cookie usually made from flour, sugar, vanilla, and sesame seed oil containing a piece of paper inside. Makoto Hagawara of Golden State Park's Japanese Tea Garden in San Francisco is reported to have been the first person in the U.S. to have served the modern version of the cookie when he did so at the Tea Garden in the 1890s or early 1900s. So just a refresher, fortune cookies, they're not a traditional mm. J- Chinese treat. They were invented by a guy with the Japanese tea garden in San Francisco in the U.S. at the end of the 19th century. Yeah. I mean, they're fu- they're fun they're, to yeah. look at. They're not delicious. No, I certainly would not call them delicious. Yeah. Um, Hamantash is a filled pocket cookie or pastry recognizable for its triangular shape, usually associated with the Jewish holiday of Purim and Haman, the villain in the Purim story. The shape is achieved by folding in the sides of a circular piece of dough with a filling placed in the center. So Hamantash are usually made with many different fillings, including poppy seed, which is the oldest and most traditional, and then also a bunch of great flavors like prunes and nuts and dates and apricot and raisins, you know, all that kind of stuff. Raisins, yeah. Just mm -hmm. pack those raisins in. Do it. <laughs> um, Korobaides are Greek wedding cookies, and mm. they resemble light and airy shortbread, but are made with the addition of almonds. So almonds are the most ing- important ingredient in a korabi, and they provide the sh- cookie's signature almond flavor. So other ingredients include a lot of butter, flour, sugar, salt, and vanilla, and they're shaped into circles, crescents, or balls, and baked until slightly golden. And immediately after removing the cookies from the oven, they are rolled in confectioner sugar and left to cool. And then they're rolled in confectioner sugar like again after they are cool. So basically, like. Like you said earlier in last week's episode, like if you could just inhale that powdered sugar. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Don't kill yourself by aspirating 10x powdered sugar. Uh, Linzer tarts are a cookie-sized version of a Linzer torte. This is a very short, crumbly pastry made of flour, unsalted butter, egg yolks, lemon zest, cinnamon, lemon juice, and ground nuts covered with jam and then topped with a donut-like circle of dough on top, dusted with confectioner sugar. Delicious. Basically, and, and... Gluten free, oh, because you're because you're making them with um, yeah almond, almond flour, almond flour, yeah, yeah, great. There you what go. What a treat. Also, technically gluten free, um, a macaron with one O. Mm. It's a sweet meringue based confection made with egg whites, icing sugar, granulated sugar, almond powder, or ground almonds, and food coloring. Usually presented with a ganache, buttercream, or jam filling sandwich between two such cookies, and it's like a sandwich cookie basically. The confection is characterized by a small squared top, a ruffled circumference referred to as the crown or the foot, and a flat base. It's mildly moist and easily melts in the mouth. Uh, Super easy to eat a lot of them. Yes. I remember when you were making the attempt to make... No, 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 no. Listen, listen, listen. Julia was working toward making a macaron. And finally, she kept bringing us different the different iterations. <laughs> and then finally, she brought the macaron. And it was the best macaron I have ever eaten in my whole life. 
And then she never made it again. Because <laughs> I attempted to make them again and messed up oh. all the rest of the times. I probably have tried that that time that I was like on my quest. I probably made like 12 different batches yeah. of macarons. And yeah, only yeah. one of them turned out. It was a it's great a damn macaron. shame. I mean, it's it's definitely one of those confections that should be best left to people who do it yeah. the best. With like professional equipment. Also, have you noticed this on Bake Off? They eat macaroons vertically. What? Yeah. They put the macaroon in their mouth. That's like eating an Oreo sideways. Right? What? That's foolishness and insubordination. I got to keep an you eye out for keep that. an eye out for that. Holy it moly. It makes absolutely no sense. Madness. <laughs> but a macaroon with two O's. Yes. Is a small biscuit cookie made from ground almonds, coconut, and other nuts, sometimes potato, with sugar and sometimes flavorings like honey, vanilla, or spices. The name of the cake comes from the Italian macarone or macerone, meaning paste, referring to the original almond paste ingredient. Um, Italian Jewish folks have adopted the cookie after the 16th century because it has no wheat flour or leavening and can be eaten during the eight-day observation of Passover. Oh, it makes sense. And it was introduced to other European Jewish people and became popular as a year-round sweet. So that's why we sometimes like see it at the grocery store in the kosher section around Passover is because it's traditionally it had no wheat flour or leavening so they could eat that as their sweet treat during Passover. Alternatively, a macaroon is easy to make. Yes. It's just like, <laughs> you just lump. Yeah. Um, my brother Bob's favorite cookie, just because of the name, Pfeffernus. Pfeffernus, yes. They're a tiny spice cookie popular as a holiday treat in Germany, Denmark, and the Netherlands. Um, the recipes differ. All contain aromatic spices, most commonly cinnamon, cloves, mace, nutmeg, cardamom, and anise. Some variations are dusted with powdered sugar, though that's not traditional. Um, molasses and honey can also be used to sweeten the cookies. So the cookies are roughly the size of nuts and can be eaten by the handful, which accounts for the name. Okay. But yeah, I would eat a handful of cookies. Yeah. <laughs> we should have eaten before we recorded this I know, this one. right? Um, something that a lot of people love that I don't get, but you guys love it, a snickerdoodle. Um, so it's a type of cookie made with butter or oil, sugar and flour, rolled in a mixture of cinnamon and white sugar. So they're characterized by a cracked surface and can be crisp or soft depending on the ingredients used. Snickerdoodles are often referred to as sugar cookies, and their name may actually be a corruption of the German word Schneckennoodle, a variety of Schnecken or sweet bun. A warm snickerdoodle? The smell of snickerdoodles cooking in a kitchen? Delicious. Is that your Christmas Christmas smell? Mm, I don't know. I don't. Th- I don't know. But um, Snickerdoodle is one of the few cookie doughs that uh, is not delicious to eat raw. Okay. Yeah. it's It has like a weird, like, uh, vinegary quality to it oh. for some reason. It's like the combination of the leavening agents oh, and yuck. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But when it comes out of the oven, boy howdy. Come to mama. Yeah. Um, speculos are a type of a spice short crust biscuit traditionally baked for St. Nicholas's Day in the Netherlands, Belgium, and around Christmas in Germany and Austria. Speculos are thin, very crunchy, caramelized, slightly brown, and most significantly have some image or figure, often from traditional stories about St. Nicholas, stamped on the front side before baking. Most speculos versions are made from white or wheat flour, um, brown sugar, butter, and spices. The Belgian version is called speculos, and that's what the cookie butter is made from. Uh, Rumor has it that workers in the Low Countries traditionally made a sandwich in the morning with butter and speculose cookies and then it would develop into a spread like consistency by lunchtime oh my gosh so intense 
Nostalgic. <laughs> oh. oh my god. Another uh Netherlander treat that's technically a cookie is a stroopwafel. Oh, a stroopwafel. So it's a wafer made from two thin layers of baked dough with a caramel syrup filling in the middle. So they make this stiff dough for the waffles and then medium-sized balls of dough are put into a heated waffle iron and pressed until it is the required uniformly thin round shape. After the waffle has been baked and while it is still warm, it's split into thin layered halves and then the worm filling made from syrup, brown sugar, butter, and cinnamon is spread between the waffle halves, gluing them together. It is one of the most... Mm. Like wonderful experiences yeah. to eat a stroopwafel. And one of my proudest moments when I was at the Art Curators Conference, uh-huh. I felt very out of place. But when we were all sitting around for lunch, someone said something about a sandwich cookie. And I said, Oh, have you ever had a stroopwafel? And they were like, I don't know what that is. And so I told them what it was. And one of the girls literally made me type it into her phone. <laughs> So that she, <laughs> so that she could get it. Oh my! Gosh. And I was like, I have done my good deed at this conference. I may not be the smartest or the prettiest or the most successful, but I know what a stroopwafel is. So fuck you guys. So fuck all y'all. <laughs> Getting on the plane and going home. <laughs> One more like technical cookie is a Nanaimo bar. Oh, okay. So, so it's good. a bar dessert that actually requires no baking. And is named after the city of Nanaimo, British Columbia, on Vancouver Island. It consists of three layers: a wafer and coconut crumb base, custard-flavored butter icing in the middle, and a layer of chocolate ganache on top. So that um, Atlas eats the place we were talking about in Rochester. They also do a great Nanaimo bar. In you know, addition to the Lamingtons, Lamingtons, and they do a financier. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I realized while we were talking, I was like, wow, they really are international, even in their baked goods. <laughs> They've really had a consistent so good. theme. Yeah, so they're great. Moving on to meringues. So mm. meringue is a type of dessert or candy often associated with Italian, Swiss, and French cuisine, traditionally made from whipped egg whites and sugar, and occasionally an acidic ingredient like lemon vinegar or cream of tartar. A binding agent such as salt, cornstarch, or gelatin may also be added to the eggs. And the key to the formation of a good meringue is the formation of stiff peaks by denaturing the ovalbumin, a protein in the egg whites. They are light, airy, and sweet confections. So there are a bunch of different kinds of meringues, which you'll see on these baking shows. French meringue is a fine white sugar beaten into egg whites and then baked. Okay. Okay, so French meringue is like when you just think of a meringue, you're like, great, we're whipping up these egg whites and we're beating in like some fine white sugar. Great. An Italian meringue is made from boiling sugar syrup instead of caster sugar. This creates a much more stable soft meringue, which can be used in various pastries without collapsing. So in an Italian meringue, a hot sugar syrup is whipped into softly whipped egg whites until stiff and until the meringue becomes cool. So this type of meringue is actually safe to use without cooking because the hot sugar syrup cooks the egg whites Mm -hmm. and then they don't need to go like into the oven or get torched or anything like that. A Swiss meringue is whisked over a bain-marie to warm the egg whites and then whisked steadily until it cools. So this forms a dense, glossy, marshmallow-like meringue, and that is also usually then based, baked. It is usually then baked. Yeah. Um, there's also a vegan meringue, okay? Oh. So it's an imitation meringue using aquafaba, which is oh, like right. that liquid from a can of chickpeas with a small dose of vinegar and caster sugar. So it holds similar characteristics to that of an egg-based meringue, but it will quickly burn if it is baked in Yeah, I can imagine. Too fast. So yeah, the, the main ones that you'll see on a lot of the baking shows are French, Italian, and Swiss. It does seem like Italian is the hardest, yeah. but it 
but if you do it right, then it's great because then you get just this like whipped. Yeah. It's like perfect. It Mm -hmm. stays its shape. It's, you don't have to do anything to it once it's done. Right. Yeah. So some meringue desserts include pavlova. Um, So that's a meringue baked cake named after the Russian ballerina, Anna Pavlova, who, Mm -hmm. if you'll remember, had very weak ankles. Very weak. Oh, just snap, 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 snap. So the meringue has a crisp crust and soft light inside, usually topped with fruit and whipped cream. Dessert is a popular dish and an important part of the national cuisine of both Australia and New Zealand. Pavlova is made by beating egg whites and sometimes salt to a very stiff consistency, gradually adding castor sugar before folding in vinegar or another acid um, and then they slow bake the mixture similar to a meringue pavlova has a crisp and crunchy outer shell and a soft moist marshmallow like center so in contrast to meringue which is usually solid throughout this consistency also makes pavlova significantly more fragile than meringue so because pavlova is notorious for deflating if exposed to cold air when cooking is complete it's left in the oven to fully cool down before the oven door is opened uh, pavlova is traditionally decorated with a topping of whipped cream and fresh soft fruit like kiwi passion fruit and strawberries have I- you had one Yes. Oh. I love the hell out of a pavlova. Mm. Crispy, creamy, sweet, tart. It's it's a it's a delight to the senses. It's wonderful. <laughs> I remember when I was like elementary aged Julia learning to bake things. Mm-hmm. I remember learning that you can't make a pavlova on a rainy day. Like like I was going to do that. But that's like a piece of information that I filed away in 4th grade and I have just been waiting to bust that out. It's like quicksand. It's like this information that we get that is like drilled into us. And then 30 years later, we're like, wait a second. Mitochondria, the powerhouse of the cell. You can't bake a pavlova on or any day. Stop, drop, and roll. When have we ever used stop, drop, and roll? <laughs> That's true, right? That's true. It doesn't, yeah. it's not a thing. It's not. <laughs> Another meringue dessert is the eaten mess. Oh, yeah. So it's a traditional English dessert consisting of a mixture of strawberries, broken meringue, and whipped double cream. Delicious. Yeah. You're I like, eat that. oh, your meringue's broke. Uh-oh. Sorry. Let's just throw in some uh, whipped cream and strawberries with that. Got yourself. Got yourself a mess of eating. What? Was that it? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, and also baked Alaska. Yeah. So um, it's a dish made of ice cream placed in a pie dish lined with slices of sponge cake and topped with a soft meringue. The entire dessert is then placed in an extremely hot oven for a brief time, long enough to firm and caramelize the meringue, but not long enough to begin melting the ice cream. The dish is also known as an omelette or no- <laughs> as an omelette a la Norvegienne, or a Norwegian omelette, which similarly refers to the cold climate of Norway. The most distinctive claim about the name Baked Alaska is that it was coined at Antoine's, a restaurant in New Orleans by its chef de cuisine in 1867 to honor the acquisition of Alaska for the U.S. from the Russian Empire of that year. But actually, no contemporary account exists to support this claim, and the name was not used until some years later after the Alaska Purchase in 1894, when a chef at Delmonico's in New York City called the dish an Alaska, comma, Florida, Apparently referring to the contrast between its cold and hot elements. <laughs> That's kind of cute. Mm-hmm. It seems like just a show-off dish. Like, yeah. you really don't have to do that. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, some other frozen desserts. Moving on. Mm. So, ice cream. Ready? 
Ice cream is a colloidal emulsion having dispersed phases flat gobules. Yum. Mm, I can taste it now. In the U.S., ice cream must have greater than 10% milk fat and usually between 10% and as high as 16% fat in some premium ice creams. Flavored with a sweetener and a spice or flavor and colorings with stabilizers are usually added. The mixture is stirred to incorporate air spaces and cooled below the freezing point of water to prevent detectable ice crystals from forming. The result is a smooth, semi-solid foam that is solid at very low temperatures but becomes more malleable as its temperature increases. Yum, yum. <laughs> soft serve is a type of ice cream that is softer and less dense than regular ice creams as a result of air being introduced during freezing. It was likely invented in the late 1930s by either Tom Carvel or Dairy Queen. Oh, my God. <laughs> Probably Dairy Queen. Uh, during the late 1940s, future UK Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher worked briefly as a chemist for food manufacturer J. Lyons & Company at a time when the company had partnered with the U.S. distributor Mr. Softy and was developing a soft serve recipe that was compatible with the American machines. What? Thatcher's precise role at Lyons is unclear, but she was reported to have worked on the company's ice cream products as well as cakes and pies. A common anecdote probably sped by her political opponents is that by inventing soft serve ice cream, Thatcher added air, lowered quality, and raised profits. Use that as a metaphor for her policies later as prime minister. That's very clever. But Margaret Thatcher invented the ice cream she, truck? Is that what you're telling me right soft, now? The soft serve machines. Oh, oh, I mm-hmm. see. Like the... Yeah. Okay. Um, so uh, soft serve is generally lower in milk fat, about 3% to 6% than ice cream, which is 10% to 18%. And it's produced at a temperature of about negative 4 degrees Celsius or 25 degrees Fahrenheit, which is compared to ice cream, which is stored at way less. Mm-hmm. Um, soft serve contains air introduced at the time of freezing. And the air content called overrun can vary from 0% to 60% of the total volume of the finished product. So the amount of air alters the taste of the finished product, too. Uh, when I worked at the ice cream stand, I would have to refill the tanks of the... Uh, Bless you. Yeah. It really wasn't that bad. But when the, it, there was like, it was like malfunctioning, the yeah. air would like... <laughs> it would like pop out. Which is why you could never put your mouth underneath it because you might get an explosion right in your face. You're willing to chance it. Yeah. Um, gelato is generally made with a base of 3.25% milk and sugar. So gelato typically contains 70% less air and more flavoring than other kinds of frozen desserts, giving it a density and richness that distinguishes it from other ice creams. Frozen custard is basically ice cream with egg yolks for smoother texture and for staying colder longer. In the U.S., it must contain at least 10% milk fat and 1.4% egg yolk solids. And it's also produced and frozen a little differently than ice cream. So basically, frozen custard is ice cream with more egg yolks in it. So Mm. it makes it more delicious. Yeah. Anderson's is the only, I think, the only technically frozen custard in this area. I think. Could be wrong about that. Yum. Yeah. Uh, Frozen yogurt, though, says a frozen dessert made with yogurt. The state snack of New York. Yeah. Uh, Again. <laughs> sometimes other dairy and non-dairy products. It's usually more tart than ice cream, and it's also lower in fat due to the use of milk instead of cream. Frozen yogurt is not regulated by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. What? Yeah. It, some states it's regulated by the state, but it is not regulated by the FDA. Why? So, uh, <laughs> it's a dairy product. It goes bad. Wow. Just, I'm just telling you. These rogue TCBYs yes. just all over. Yeah, exactly. Oh my God. 
Frozen yogurt consists of milk solids, some kind of sweetener, milk fat, yogurt culture, commonly Lactobacillus bulgaricus and Streptococcus thermophilus, plus flavorings and sometimes coloring. Milk fat comprises about 0.55 to 6% of the yogurt and added in quantities inversely proportional to the amount of milk solids. So it adds richness to the yogurt. Okay. So Not like fave. Yeah, like the Seinfeld episode where it's all about the frozen yogurt and mm-hmm. they're like, it's fat free. Actually, they like can have like up to six percent of like which is in there. Then mm-hmm. you might as well just get some ice you cream. Might as well just get some ice cream. Just get some ice cream. Uh-huh. Um, if you want to avoid that dairy, uh, sorbet is fruit puree with no dairy products. It's similar to an Italian ice, but it uses real fruit instead of like a syrup or an mm-hmm. imitation flavor. Sherbet on the other hand, is 1% to 2% milk fat, and it's sweeter than ice cream. So I think we always kind of think of like rainbow sherbet, mm. uh, but that has dairy in it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A granita is a semi-frozen dessert made from sugar, water, and various flavorings. Originally from Sicily, it's related to sorbet and Italian ice. However, in most of Sicily, it has a coarser, more crystalline texture. A granita with coffee is very common in the city of Messina, Ooh. while granita with almonds is popular in Catania. Um, granita in combination with a brioche pastry is a common breakfast in the summertime. And I would like to go to there. Ooh. Yeah, I'm into that. It's yeah. like um, iced coffee, but like more, yeah. you know? Eat that with your brioche. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, Italian ice, which I kind of have touched upon a couple times, is a sweetened frozen dessert made with fruit, often from concentrate, juices, or purees, or other natural or artificial flavorings, similar to sorbet. Italian ice is similar to sorbet in snow cones, but differs from American-style sherbet in that it does not contain dairy or egg ingredients. And then, like, in the Philly and New Jersey area, they call it water ice. Yeah. A bunch of dumbs. (laughs) Water ice. (laughs) Water. Isn't this a water ice? Water ice, you're right. Water. Um, shave ice or Hawaiian shave ice. Uh, we mentioned this in the episode 91, Aloha from Hawaii. It's an ice-based dessert made from shaving a block of ice. So yeah. shaving produces a very fine ice that appears snow-like. And then they add flavored syrups to the ice, which then get absorbed by the ice instead of surrounding it. As opposed to a snow cone, which is made from crushed rather than shaved ice. And then it's just topped with the syrup. So then you're kind of eating syrup along with the um, crushed ice. Semifredo is like an Italian frozen mousse dessert. They usually make that with egg whites, sugar, and cream. So it's kind of it's kind of like an ice cream still. Semifredo yeah. means like semi-frozen. Yeah, so. exactly. It's kind of softer. Mm-hmm. Faluda or paluda is a traditional Iranian cold dessert similar to a sorbet. It consists of thin vermicelli-sized noodles made from starch and a semi-frozen syrup containing sugar and rose water. And faluda is often served with lime juice and sometimes ground pistachios. So a very like Middle Eastern uh, frozen dessert That's with vermicelli. I have never heard of that before in my life. Mm. That's cool. Uh, peach melba is a dessert of peaches and raspberry sauce with vanilla ice cream it was invented in 1892 or 1893 by the french chef auguste escoffier at the savoy hotel in london to honor the australian soprano nelly melba whose real name was helen porter mitchell she took the pseudonym melba from melbourne her hometown oh that's cute couple more frozen desserts a bomb glacé. This is an ice cream dessert frozen in a spherical mold so as to resemble a cannonball. And by extension, the term has been used to refer to any ice cream confection shaped through molding, not necessarily hemispherical. So basically, you have an ice cream thing in a mold and like they covered in chocolate or something. It could be called a bomb glacé. Oh, okay. 
Uh, Tartufo from Italian for truffle is an Italian ice cream dessert originating from Piso, Calabria. It's usually composed of two or more flavors of ice cream, often either with fruit syrup or frozen fruit in the center and covered with a shell made of chocolate or cocoa. Yum. Yes. And then also zucato, an Italian dessert with origins in Florence. Uh, zucato is a semi-frozen chilled dessert made with alsherm, a red, sweet, and cinnamon spicy liqueur, cake, and ice cream. This dessert is traditionally made in a special pumpkin-shaped mold. Zucato means little pumpkin in Italian. It's widely believed to have been inspired by the dome of Florence's Duomo, the city's main cathedral. Oh, that's cool. And then finally, I wanted to talk about some other truly American desserts. Oh, please. Some yeah. ones that you're really not going to find outside of the these old, US of A. these old uh, 50. Ambrosia, parentheses, oh. fruit salad, oh, and no. parentheses, is a very weird American variety oh, of fruit God. salad. Most ambrosia recipes contain canned, often sweetened or fresh pineapple, canned mandarin orange slices, mm. miniature marshmallows, and coconut. Other ingredients might also include various fruits and nuts like maraschino cherries, bananas, strawberries, peeled grapes, and crushed pecans. Peeled grapes. Because you don't <laughs> no, want that peel no, on your grapes. No. Ambrosia may also include mayonnaise or oh, dairy ingredients like whipped no. cream or whipped topping like Cool Whip, sour cream, cream cheese, pudding, oh, yogurt, or cottage God. cheese. I f- <laughs> what did we do to ourselves in the 50s? This is a real, a real conundrum. So oh. basically, open up a bunch of canned fruits. Mm-hmm. Throw in some mini marshmallows and, um, I don't know, throw in a heap of mayonnaise Ugh. or Cool Whip Ugh. or cottage cheese. Or sour cream. <laughs> what? Mm-hmm. Oh, so bad. Anything goes with ambrosia, apparently. Yeah. Uh, bananas Foster. This is a, a dessert made from bananas and vanilla ice cream with a sauce made from butter, brown sugar, cinnamon, dark rum, and banana liqueur. The butter, sugar, and bananas are cooked, and then the alcohol is added and ignited. So the bananas and sauce are then served over the ice cream. So popular toppings also include whipped cream and different types of nuts. This was named for Richard Foster, the chairman of the New Orleans Crime Commission and a friend of the restaurant owner Owen Brennan, who owned Brennan's in New Orleans. Um, so it was created there in 1951. And at that time new orleans was a major hub for the import of bananas from south america which is why it originated there that makes sense a brown betty is a traditional american dessert made from fruit usually apple but also berries or pears and sweetened crumbs it's similar to a cobbler or apple crisp Uh, the fruit is baked but then the sweetened crumbs are placed in layers between the fruit and it's usually served with lemon sauce or whipped cream a cobbler is a fruit or savory filling poured into a large baking dish and covered with a batter or biscuit before being baked. Yep. And a buckle is like a cobbler, but made with yellow cake batter. And then the filling is mixed in. With oh, it. okay. Jeez. Really all the same. I know. All the same taste in the end. It's, yeah. Fruit and sweet crumblies. Yeah. Um, a chess pie is a single crust and filling composed of flour, butter, sugar, and eggs. Chess pie is most commonly associated as a dessert in uh, the American South. Common types of chess pie are buttermilk, chocolate, and lemon. And the origin of the name chess pie is unknown, but many theories have been proposed. It's most likely a mispronunciation of cheese pie, like a cheesecake. Oh, okay. Back when pie right. and cake were interchangeable. Mm-hmm. The term may have also come from a piece of furniture used prior to home refrigeration called a pie chest in which pies were stored. I see. So it's like a little bit of a... Bastardization. Yeah. 
Um, an icebox cake is a dessert consisting of whipped cream and chocolate wafers. This was first introduced to the U.S. during World War I. The back of the box recipe on thin and dark Nabisco famous chocolate wafers indicates that the wafers are stacked to form a log with whipped cream cementing them together. And then the log is laid on its side. A second log is formed and the two are set side by side with more whipped cream covering the <laughs> exterior. The cake is left overnight in the refrigerator or icebox. So the wafers absorb moisture from the whipped cream and then the whole thing can be cut into slices. So it's basically served by cutting it into slices at an angle so bands of the chocolate and cream are visible across each slice. Yeah. I mean, I'd eat it. Another very American treat, the moon pie. It's two round graham cracker cookies with marshmallow filling in the center dipped in a flavored coating. The traditional pie is about four inches in diameter. Moon pies have been made daily at the Chattanooga Bakery since the brand's inception in April 1917. Earl Mitchell Jr. said his father came up with the idea for moon pies when he asked a Kentucky coal miner what kind of snack he'd like to eat, and the miner requested something with graham cracker and marshmallow. Popular folklore, repeated and encouraged by Chattanooga Bakery itself, states the miner then asked the snack to be, quote, as big as the moon, which inspired the name Moon Pie. Uh, the Twitter account for Moon Pie <laughs> is... The best, very hands, entertaining, hands down the best Twitter account yeah. on Twitter. I'm going to say it right here, right now. That's awesome, hilarious. Who's ever running it deserves, deserves a raise, a raise, and a house, and they're just as many moon pies as they can fit in their gob. It's great, absolutely. Follow Moon Pie. <laughs> <laughs> um, funnel cake. Yeah, regional yeah. food popular in North America at carnivals, fairs, sporting events, and seaside resorts made by pouring batter into hot cooking oil in a circular pattern and deep frying the overlapping mass until golden brown. The batter is commonly poured through a funnel, creating its texture and giving it its name. Funnel cakes are typically served plain with powdered sugar, but also could be topped with jam or jelly, cinnamon, chocolate, or other toppings. And then finally, I'm going to let you talk all about this because oh, I still yeah. don't understand it. I'll do it. The pizza frite. Oh, the pizza frite. Yeah. That is a regional. <laughs> that is a regional fried cake, uh, that is about a yard long. <laughs> it is three feet long, um, like stretched, and it has cinnamon and uh, sugar on it, but not powdered sugar. It's it's granulated sugar, and they serve it to you. They literally like lower it down from the from the the booth that they're selling it at, and they serve it to you hot. And fresh and it is delicious and when we go to fair at the end of this month we're gonna get you a pizza free so it's like it's a big old stick of fried dough yep rolled in sugar and it's flat it's flat okay flattened i should say it's not like super flat um but it's uh yeah it's so good what's confusing is the name has pizza in it yeah um here's the thing it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's it all doesn't, right. Well, that's it fine. Doesn't Never mind. Make any sense? Uh, yeah. So there you go. Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you for explaining. You're that. welcome. And also, that is just the plural of pizza. <laughs> <laughs> all right. On that note, are you ready for my quiz? Yes, I am ready. All right. This quiz is called Bake Off. A quiz on cooking competition shows and trademark infringement. Question one. A la cuisine. On the Japanese cooking show Iron Chef, which originally aired from 1993 to 1999, guest chefs were able to challenge one of the show's resident Iron Chefs in a timed cooking battle based around a specific themed ingredient. The first three Iron Chefs specialized in Japanese, Chinese, and French cuisine. 
What was the fourth cuisine added to Kitchen Stadium in 1997? Question 2. In 2015, a South Korean chicken restaurant was sued by and lost to a major luxury fashion house for trademark infringement. You would think that fried chicken and high-end fashion aren't terribly similar, but the restaurant used a distinctive monogram pattern to package its wares. Can you tell me the luxury retailer who laid its wrath on a restaurant that sold tongdak, the Korean word for whole chicken? Question 3. In a standard episode of the Food Network show Chopped, how many minutes does a chef have to create their dish in the dessert round? No wonder they fight over the ice cream maker. Question 4. It's pretty scary down at the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. One company has filed trademark infringement suits against the Discovery Channel, Hanson Beverage, the Chicago Bears, the Walt Disney Company, and a mini golf franchise, among others. Related to what single word? Question 5. On the American version of MasterChef, celebrity chef Gordon Ramsay has been a judge for the show's entire 10 seasons. His co-judges have included, at various times, Graham Elliott, Joe Bastianich, Aron Sanchez, and what pastry chef, who is also the chef and owner of Momofuku Milk Bar? Question 6. Well, it turns out that if you want to brand your materials with Pantone 676C, also called Plum, you'll get sued. Lawsuited, that is. By what 28-year-old telecommunications company that has shown in court that it owns the color magenta? Question 7. The hit Netflix series Nailed It was inspired by the craze of people trying and failing to make elaborate cakes they found on the internet. I'm going to give you three descriptions and you tell me if each is a real episode description from season one of Nailed It or something I made up. First, dogged contestants are seeing double when they are asked to paint their portraits on a cookie before building an edible bust of Donald Trump. Two. Three unlucky amateur bakers must serve up four-leaf clover cookies followed by a Rube Goldberg-like cake featuring items you don't want to cross your path on Friday the 13th. Three, two daunting desserts, a chocolate-filled hot tub and an open-mouthed shark cake have the hapless home cook struggling to stay afloat. Question eight. Lawn and Garden Equipment Retailer Variety Stores, Inc. out of Henderson, North Carolina, owned trademarks on the terms The Backyard and Backyard Barbecue, building what they claimed were strong common law rights on variations of those terms through years of commercial use. Variety successfully sued what much larger company in 2014, claiming that their use of an in-house brand called Backyard Grill was willful and likely to cause consumer confusion. Question 9. The Bravo competition show Top Chef has been hosted by Padma Lakshmi since she joined them for season two in fall 2006. Before that, she had a big year in 2001, starring in her own cooking show called Melting Pot, Padma's Passport, and appearing in what film flop as Silk, a tone-deaf aspiring recording artist who borrows the voice of her backup singer, Billy? And finally, question 10. In 2016, coffee giant Starbucks filed a trademark infringement claim against Obsidian Group of Canada, stating that the coffee culture cafes it operated were diluting the distinctive quality of what frozen coffee drinks sold at Starbucks since 1995. I'll give you about a minute to think, and I'll be back for your answers.
I don't know. Maybe I'll maybe it'll just pop into my head <laughs> when I when I get to them. Question one. Okay. I like cuisine. On the Japanese cooking show Iron Chef, which originally aired from 1993 to 1999, guest chefs were able to challenge one of the show's resident Iron Chefs in a timed cooking battle based around a specific themed ingredient. The first three Iron Chefs specialized in Japanese, Chinese, and French cuisine. What was the fourth cuisine added to Kitchen Stadium in 1997? I'm going to just guess. Throw this out there. Is it Italian? It is Italian. Yes. Iron Chef Italian was portrayed by Masahiko Kobe, who appeared in Kitchen Stadium as separated from the other three Iron Chefs. He was the only Iron Chef Italian. There were three Japanese and two French, but also one only Iron Chef Chinese, Chef Chen Kenichi. Question two. In 2015, a South Korean chicken restaurant was sued by and lost to a major luxury house for trademark infringement. You would think a fried chicken and high-end fashion aren't terribly similar, but the restaurant used a distinctive monogram pattern to package its wares. Can you tell me the luxury retailer who laid its wrath on a restaurant that sold tongdak, the Korean word for whole chicken? I I don't know. Is it um, Louis Vuitton? It is Louis Vuitton. Oh, yes. So a South Korean court ordered the restaurant owner to pay 14.5 million won, which is about $12,500 American, in damages for operating his fried chicken restaurant named Louis Vuitton Dac, even though the two businesses operated within different segments of the economy. Since one was already a reputable trademark, the other was not allowed to use its name regardless. They also like boxed up the chicken in like a tan box with LVD <laughs> as like oh, the okay. letters. Like it yeah, really yeah. was like they a were, parody they were doing kind purpose, of of it. Yeah. But yeah, so they That's lost funny. it. Question three. In a standard episode of the Food Network show Chopped, how many minutes does a chef have to create their dish in the dessert round? No wonder they fight over the ice cream maker. Um, I haven't watched it in a long time, so I think it's 30 minutes. Is it 30 minutes? The answer is 30 minutes. Yes. So each round has a time limit. There's typically 20 minutes for the appetizer and 30 minutes each for the entree and dessert. Um, these limits have been extended on occasion for special format prep episodes and for rounds in which one or more mystery ingredients require additional preparation or cooking time. Like I've seen ones that it's like they have to make a turkey for their entree. So like they give them like 45 minutes instead Jeez. of like 30 minutes to do it. You know? <laughs> oh my God. Um, I like this fact. According to host Ted Allen, the show's unaired pilot episode, which was taped at the Culinary School at the Art Institute of New York, was, quote, originally a lot more elaborate. It was set in a mansion. The host was a butler. The butler held a chihuahua. And when a <laughs> chef was chopped, the losing dish was fed to the chihuahua. <laughs> the Food Network show, the Food Network found the pilot episode a little too weird, but decided to keep the general premise of the show in a more straightforward oh competition format. That's hilarious. <laughs> Question four. It's pretty scary down at the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. One company has filed trademark infringement suits against the Discovery Channel, Hanson Beverage, the Chicago Bears, the Walt Disney Company, and a mini golf franchise, among others, relating to what single word? I, is it, uh, I can't determine the, is it scary? I, like, you said scary, so is it a horror thing? Is it boo? <laughs> is it? Is it? Is it uh, I don't know. Um, is it a whopper? No. Big Mac. Is it Mac? <laughs> I'm trying to think of like proprietary things. What is it? Against the Discovery Channel, Hanson Beverage, the Chicago Bears, the Walt Disney Company, and a mini golf franchise. Mm, hole. Uh, I don't What's know. What's a what word is they all have in common? Mini golf. Uh, mini 
Minnie. Minnie. Mouse. Minnie Mouse. No. <laughs> I was getting so close. The answer is monster. Monster. Monster Cable has been suing companies for over a decade. Critics and defendants say Monster is too aggressive in pursuing trademark protections against companies that do not have confusingly similar products and that it's just trying to own a common word. Um, they have sued Discovery Channel for Monster Garage. They've sued Hanson Beverage for the Monster Energy Drink. Okay. They sued the Chicago Bears for using the phrase Monsters of the Midway. They sued um, Walt Disney Company for Monster Zinc. And oh, they sued geez. Monster Mini Golf. Among others. There are others out there. That's just a word. You yeah. can't own it. They were just really... Also, who's ever heard of Monster Cable? They sell very expensive HDI, HDMI um, cables. Okay, but still. Question five. On the American version of MasterChef, celebrity chef Gordon Ramsay has been a judge for the show's entire 10 seasons. His co-judges have included, at various times, Graham Elliott, Joe Bastianich, Aron Sanchez, and what pastry chef, who is also the chef and owner of Momofuku Milk Bar? Oh, my God. Um, pastry chef. Would I know who this person is? Yeah. Pastry Chef Momofuku Milk Bar. Um, oh my God. Is female or male? Lady. Female. Lady. Ooh. Is it Kat Cora? No, she's a chef. Is it... I don't know who it is. Who is it? It's Christina Tosi. Oh, I don't know who that is. Okay. Sorry. So you don't watch any cooking shows, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. All right. Wow. Uh, so, I haven't watched a cooking show in probably easily eight years. Wow. Yeah. It's my f- other favorite genre of television. Yeah. Um, so Christina Tosi was a judge on MasterChef for season six to eight. She's also appeared as a judge on MasterChef Junior. There was also like a chef's table episode about oh, her. Okay. Um, so Milk Bar is known for their cereal milk, compost cookies, crack pie, and candy bar pie. And that's where we got our cake from. And that was delicious. Question six. Well, it turns out that if you want to brand your materials with Pantone 676C, also called Plum, you'll get suited. Lawsuited, that is, by what 28-year-old telecommunications company that has shown in court that it owns the color magenta? Is it uh, T-Mobile? Yes. Yes. T-Mobile, the magenta color, are registered and or unregistered trademarks of Deutsche Telekom AG. T-Mobile's definition of magenta appears to have expanded beyond its original trademark. Rather than owning a specific shade of pink, the company is claiming nearby colors as well. That's, you can't, no. You get one. That's it. (laughs) And if you want more, you got to apply for it. Yeah. (sighs) Question seven. Nailed it. I'm going to give you three descriptions and you tell me if each is a real episode description from season one of Nailed It or something I made up. Okay. One, dogged contestants are seeing double when they're asked to paint their portraits on a cookie before building an edible bust of Donald Trump. I'm going to say not real. That is real. It is from season one, episode six, in your face. Number two, three unlucky amateur bakers must serve up four leaf clover cookies followed by a Rube Goldberg-like cake featuring items you don't want to cross your path on Friday the 13th. Uh... Mm, not real. That one is fake. I made that up. Yes. And three, two daunting desserts, a chocolate-filled hot tub and an open-mouthed shark cake have the hapless home cook struggling to stay afloat. Uh, I'm going to say real. That one is real. Yes. Season one, episode three, head underwater. Question eight. 
Lawn and Garden Equipment Retailer Variety Stores, Inc. out of Henderson, North Carolina, owned trademarks on the terms The Backyard and Backyard Barbecue, building what they claimed were strong common law rights on variations of those terms through years of commercial use. Variety successfully sued what much larger company in 2014 claiming that their use of an in-house brand called Backyard Grill was willful and likely to cause consumer confusion. Um, was it like Weber? Um, or like... Uh, Whirlpool it's a or store is a store. Oh, Home Depot. And the answer is Walmart. Walmart. Walmart was ordered to pay Variety a total of ninety-five point five million dollars wow. for its infringement of the trademark backyard. Wow, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Good for them. Yeah, good. For, yeah, yeah, good, good for, for them. them. <laughs> Question nine: The Bravo competition show Top Chef has been hosted by Padma Lakshmi since she joined them for season two in fall 2006. Before that, she had a big year in 2001, starring in her own cooking show called Melting Pot, Padma's Passport, and appearing in what film flop as Silk, a tone-deaf aspiring recording artist who borrows the voice of her backup singer, Billy? Is that glitter? It is glitter. Yes. Padma Lakshmi. (laughs) Who knew? glitter. Rotten Tomatoes says, quote, Glitter is a hodgepodge of movie cliches and bad acting that's sure to generate unintentional laughs. Unfortunately, the movie is not bad enough to be good. Yeah. We've talked about glitter before. We've talked about glitter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really too bad. Mimi's doing fine, I think. Yeah, yeah. She's doing okay. And finally, question 10. In 2016, coffee giant Starbucks filed a trademark infringement claim against Obsidian Group of Canada, stating that the coffee culture cafes it operated were diluting the distinctive quality of what frozen coffee drink sold at Starbucks since 1995. Uh, That's a Frappuccino. It is a Frappuccino. So coffee culture cafe sold a Frettuccino, which was apparently a frozen coffee drink made with flavors and syrups and topped with whipped cream. <laughs> okay. The Sounds coffee familiar. culture cafe menu as of today seems to have replaced a Frettuccino on their menu with just the word Chino. With <laughs> <laughs> apostrophe C-C-I-N-O. Chino. So they may have backed down from the behemoth suit. The original Frappuccino drink was developed, named, trademark, and sold by George Howell's Eastern Massachusetts coffee shop chain, The Coffee Connection, and created by then-employee Andrew Frank. When Starbucks purchased The Coffee Connection in 1994, they also gained the rights to use, make, market, and sell the Frappuccino drink. So the drink with a different recipe was introduced under the Starbucks name in 95. And as of 2012, which is like, you know, almost a decade ago at this point, they had annual Frappuccino sales of over $2 billion. That's... And control. I'm sure it's more now since they started introducing like the, the unicorn, unicorn, the mermaid, the zombie, and the leprechaun, and whatever. whatever. Yeah, like Instagram, I'm sure has like um, just made just up te- a bunch yeah. of teens want to go get some fraps. Which one did we get? Did we get the unicorn? We one? We tried the unicorn one. It was it was fine. kind of ungood. Yeah. Like the bursts of acidic C- citric acid. Citric clearly. acid was no yeah. good. It's clearly like a thing that they do to be like, we have way too much yeah. of this syrup. Let's <laughs> nationwide. Yeah. We're going to use it. Up. All right. Let's, yeah. Yeah. Let's do this. <laughs> well, great. Thank you so much. Great job. Oh, and I learned so much about desserts. Ugh. And now there's so many things I want to bake and cook and make and eat. Yeah. Eat if you've been inspired to learn and make anything out of what we've just talked about, please feel free to shoot us an email at misinfopod at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter, misinfopod. Yep, that's our name. Don't wear it out. Um, <laughs> we're on Facebook, Misinformation and Trivia Podcast. And we have a website, www.misinfopod.com.
Com. Uh, also, please, if you have a good recipe for any of these things that Julie has talked about, send them our way. Please. We love to bake. Um, so you can uh, stream us on that aforementioned website, and you can find us basically wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah. You'll be able to find us. Also, on our um, on our website and from our Twitter, we have a link to a PayPal button if you feel like throwing us a few bucks for our tip jar. Um, that will help us with our equipment upgrades and our hosting fees and maybe a bottle of wine every now and then. <laughs> uh, and thanks to everyone who has already contributed. Yeah. We totally appreciate it. You guys are awesome. Yeah, totally appreciate it. Um, and uh, thank you so much, you guys. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll get you next time. Bye. Bye.